Strayer Hagan. We're back. Footy's back. No, it's NBA Strayer. It's Thursday, February 22. All day. And I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a guy. I don't know. Editor of a website. It's called CodeBit. Go find that. You can go check out me on Fox Sports Lab NBA, Fox Sports Lab NFL, all the good stuff, whatever. I'm here in the CodeBit Studios, a.k.a. the James Clements Excellence in Podcasting Memorial Studio. What are we talking about? Well, it's been an all-star break full of lots of ups and downs, lots of insight. No, no, it hasn't. It's been horrible. All it is is JJ Reddick complaining about Doc Rivers and then JJ Reddick being lambasted by everybody and everybody complaining about JJ. Yeah, whatever. It sucks. Jacques Vaughn got fired, though, if anyone cares. Uh, Mike Conley got extended. But the cool thing is, on today's show, we've got a bunch of awesome listener year nars from the all-star game still about how to fix it. But we're also going to do the two-thirds power rankings. I don't do power rankings because it's usually a cop-out. But I'm just more interested about who would beat who right now, which is essentially a power ranking. So here we are doing power rankings. But basically, it's who I like the most out of all 30 teams ranked. Is that power? Let's just call it a Jimmy ranking. I don't give a shit. Uh, we'll do some yeah, the Unpopular Opinion of the Day and Outback Take. Yes, we were serving up a Flame Girl Take. And we'll preview tomorrow's games because we actually are back with actual games. Thank God tomorrow so that'll be fun won't it yes it will be jimmy thanks all right let's get into oh we don't have stats guy either i didn't even think about really bringing him in but i've got homie over there producer and just like he's like just grinning away and i'm like ah he's gonna cop this one so i don't have my little offside of stats boy today but that's all right he's got two shows to tape after this one so without further ado let's get into it episode 1038 of nba australia let's go This is Joe Ingalls, and Seamless. you're listening to NBA Australia. Seamless. What a transition. I'll tell you what. Watch out for the shark attack. Ah, you better. Better watch out for the hot mics as well. I don't know if you saw the uh, behind the scenes of Inside the NBA, but it is funny as hell. Go watch that. Right. Let's start today's show the way we start every show here at NBA Australia. Well, actually, the shark attack, you can watch out for the JJ Redick attack. Then you should watch out for the Austin Rivers attack. Then you should watch out for the Pat Bev attack. We're going to get into this, and it already hurts my brain, and it's dumb, but it's at least vaguely entertaining. Anyway, let's start with the whip around. I don't have the whip crack noise yet, homie, on this board. We need to fix that. Because uh, after the surgery, I can't do the whip crack as well. <laughs> it's so dumb, but here we are. Anyway, let's do some news. The Nets fired Jacques Vaughn, and all seven Nets fans... We're pretty in agreement that it was overdue. <laughs> like, whatever. Kevin Ollie. What a run for Kevin Ollie, though, to become the interim head coach. So Jacques Vaughan, uh, has got a, he's had a great look. He's got the bald head. He's got the big beard. Uh, if you go back to his playing days, always had the bald head. Um, now, if you listen to the old uh, NBA Australia for a while, you know that I've not got a giant amount of time for Jacques Vaughan. Why is that, Jim, you may ask? Well, I watched him coach very up close when he was with the Orlando Magic. Uh, we actually had a courtside spot for one of the games that they played in Brooklyn. And then he actually came to Brooklyn after he got shit-canned in Orlando. Uh, he was part of Kenny Atkinson's coaching staff. And this is part of the remarkable Jacques Vaughn story. He keeps getting promoted, doing okay, and then they piss him off. 
because uh, he filled in for Kenny Atkinson when Kenny Atkinson got fired. They then pissed him off and hired Steve Nash, but he stayed on Steve Nash's staff. They fired Steve Nash. He took over and they kept him around. It's kind of weird, but at no point could you sort of point at the Brooklyn Nets and go, hey, what do they do well under Jacques Vaughn? It's like, oh, they've got a really good game plan. No, they don't. This is a team that has zero plans most of the time for anything. So it's a weird sort of occurrence. And it's just the latest in a long string of Brooklyn Nets bullshit, of which I spent, what, six years with my, uh, six years with the season tickets, watching this up close as we had the Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Brooke Lopez team. Then we had the Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Paul Pierce, KG, Brooke Lopez team. Then it all fell apart. Then Kevin Durant and Kyrie came on board. Then they brought in James Harden. Then they shit-canned him and he got traded off to, for Ben Simmons. After Kyrie was like, I don't want to get the jab, bro. And everyone's like, this fucking guy. It has been... And then KD obviously gets traded to Phoenix. Kyrie's traded to Dallas. And now you're just sort of sitting here with a team that's very, very... The exact personification, personification, that's good, personification of, eh, they're a team, I guess, where they've got a million wings, they don't have a point guard, apart from Box Hill Benny, and they're just a mess, and they don't mean anything, they don't stand for anything, they don't have any star power, no one gives a shit, and everyone in New York only cares about a tough, awesome Knicks team that's playing right now, so they're in this weird position where after what? This has been a decade, decade-long saga. What's the? I went to Queens of the Stone Age on Monday. I need a saga. Tell me, what's the saga? Well, this saga has been one of a team that should have been the Swamp Dragons in New Jersey. Moves to Brooklyn instead. Hooks up with Jay Z. Looks cool as fuck. Gets really old really quickly. Trades away a bunch of dra dumb draft picks like the Gerald Wallace pick. You might remember that one back in what diggity diggity two, and uh, <laughs> that was the Dame Lillard pick. Great job, everybody, but Brooklyn. Uh, because Billy King's like, ah, we only like three players in the draft anyway, so fuck it, trade it. And off they did. But 10 years of this absolute dog shit, and no one cares because they've still got no fans. They're the second team in the biggest media market in the country, in the USA, and there's like a hardcore group, and they've been there the entire time that I was there. They're still there. God bless them because this team has absolutely no sort of identifiable uh, sort of superstar, no identifiable ideology built around it. Like at least the Knicks, you go, oh, well, they used to be good in the 70s and then they were good a little bit in the 80s, but then they were pretty good in the 90s and then it was dog shit for 20 years. You know, that kind of vibe. That's, a good, that's actually a vibe. The Nets, what's the vibe? It's like, well, they traded everybody for some superstars and then they were fucked and then they did it again. Like that's not a good vibe, you idiots. Anyway. Patty Mills is going to be stoked. He's like, yeah, man, fucking this dude just buried me on the bench. Fuck Jacques Vaughn. But anyway, Kevin Ollie, incredible story for him as well. You might remember he won the 2014 NCAA tournament with UConn. Uh, then was shit, got fired, <laughs> bounced around, did like the G League Ignite. Everyone's like, this guy was looked incredible, could have made an absolute fuck ton of money going to the NBA, stuck with UConn instead, and then got shit canned because he sucked. Now he's the Nets coach. <laughs> what a world. <laughs> what a world. Anyway, so Paul went out for Jacques Vaughan. Glug, glug, glug. Uh, 71 and 68. 
as the Nets coach. 0-8 in the playoffs. 0-8. That means zero wins, homie. 0-8. Not great, Bob. Not great. Uh, amazingly, though, that Jacques Vaughn got a crack at this after being really shit as the Orlando coach as well. He finishes his head coaching career to this point at 129 wins and 226 losses. Like That is absolutely chaos. So, I don't know. Kevin Ollie, will the Nets change? Probably not. They're still crappy. They're still weirdly balanced. They have no real sort of like, I don't know, streamlined idea behind what they do on the court. Maybe if Ben Simmons is healthy, maybe if he works really well with Mick Albridge's hello and Cam Johnson, perhaps this could be something. But otherwise, God damn, what a mess. Mike Conley, he got extended. That's good. Uh, if you're the Wolves, they now, so he got extended for like two years. It's an extra like 22 million or something, uh, which is good coin for uh, an old point guard. You'll pay that. But it also means that the Wolves like salary cap for next year, not this year, next year is already like over 180. Like they're already basically hitting like that. What is it? The luxury tax apron. And then the second apron's right there too. So it's a very small market team going, oh God, this is going to cost us a lot. And Carl Anthony Towns is like, hey, watch me put up 60 points and we'll lose again. It's like, great. This is what we're paying all that money for. Fan bloody testing. But either way, look, it's very smart by the Wolves because they need that organizer. As soon as Mike Conley arrived last year, guess what? The Wolves were good. Simple as that. So away they go. Happy bloody days, mate. Happy bloody days. Uh, so Conley, I love this because the Wolves, uh, I'm going to do these power rankings in a second, right? But the way they play, if they didn't have him, have him, they'd be fucked. So great job by the Wolves. Slot that away on the cheap. The weirdest problem is going to be when the rubber hits the road like next year, right? Like if they don't make the Western Conference Finals this year, uh, if they aren't, what, halfway through next season, like again, they're currently 39 and 16. If they're not even better than that this time next year, they're going to have to like go, fuck, what do we do? Who do we trade? It's going to be somebody. So, Because even if you look at those, uh, basically the Wolves roster, and it's not great, right? Because you've got this weird sort of balance between Cat, and then you've got, obviously, Rudy Gobert as the tower, and you've got Ant-Man coming in with his uh, number one pick extension down the pike. He's already at 13 mil Ant- Ant-Man because of the... Uh, Number one pick vibes. But if you look at the rest of it, it's like dudes like Naz Reed on the really, really nice affordable contract of like, you know, $12 million. But you're then paying $41 million bucks for a giant Frenchman. Great job. $36 million to a dude who can score 62 points while your team loses. Incredible. And then you got Mike Conley taking a bit of a haircut next year. So the weird one for me is like Jada McDaniels, stuff like that. What do you do the next year? It's going to get very, 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 very wobbly, I think, for this Wolves team because you're going to have 43 mil for Rudy. You'll have 49 next year for Cat because of his extension. Conley's got his. Ant-Man goes up to 35 next year. Nazareth at 13. And then that's just already a lot of fucking money. So, yeah, cooked. But that's a problem for them. Not me. Not my money. Don't care. Joel Embiid. That's right. Optimism in Philly that he's going to return at some point during the regular season. I love how that's worded, homie. Optimism. Well, I mean, he might. <laughs> like That's optimistic, right? Ah, he could. Sure. I mean, I'm not saying he's not. Well, geez, Jim, you're being optimistic. Yes, I am. Uh, but basically, 
it has been, it was said yesterday, essentially, it's at least that he could return close enough to the playoffs to get a bit of rhythm hitting into the playoffs, which is cool. And that's exactly what they need. You basically need at least two weeks of Embiid being back to get into that sort of rhythm and get back into game shape, get probably sort of acclimatized back to the team. Uh, but the Sixers don't want to put any time frame on it until he starts ramping back up from his knee procedure. Procedure, not surgery. Remember that. Procedure. It was surgery. Anyway, but the big stories of the last few days. What happened, Jim? What happened? Oh, it was just a bunch of fucking whinging. <laughs> Mostly. Shannon Sharp's out there. You've got to be married to be good in the NBA. It's like, what are we talking about now? I don't know if that's how that works, Shannon. It's like, oh, well, MJ was married. MJ was doing lots of rooting on the side. It's like Larry Bird and Magic was rooting. Magic got AIDS, bro. That didn't come from Cookie. <laughs> Don't, I'm just saying, Shannon. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and he's like, oh, LeBron has Savannah. It's like, great. How did Kobe's marriage work out? <laughs> There's a judge in Colorado who's just sitting there going, fucking. Uh. Anyway. Um, but the big stuff, obviously, J.J. Reddick goes after Doc Rivers. Fantastic. It's about fucking time. Doc Rivers, he has this weird sort of kissed on the dick sort of approach in the media where it's, oh, Doc Rivers, he's a fucking great guy. Oh, we love him so much. Just look at Doc. He's so funny. It's like he's not funny in the fucking least. He's funny in the way a teacher can be funny, right? You go, oh, I fucking love that teacher. Oh, he's pretty funny. He's like, And then you listen to him and you're like, he's not funny. He's just not a dickhead, right? That's kind of how it rolls. So when you've got a funny boss, it's like, well, you're just not firing me and I'm kind of okay with that. So we're all going to laugh at your shit jokes. You know, that's how it goes. That's that's the kind of vibe that Doc has. And JJ calls it out and goes, yeah, there's always a fucking excuse with this guy, isn't there? There's always a fucking excuse. We know it. It's always somebody else's fault. And everybody in the NBA is like, yeah, no shit. It's never Doc Rivers' fucking fault. And the fact that Doc Rivers came in and gave this interview about, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know why, how I got this job. Like they, I mean, sure, I was the coaching consultant and they fired the coach and then made me the coach. I don't know how it happened. I told him not to do it. We're still looking for the guy who did this. Like, you know, that's the kind of vibe for me. But he then talked about that Memphis game. It was like, oh, you know, it was altitude. <laughs> We're playing on a back-to-back. It's time zones. It's like he literally had a fucking bingo card of excuses. Tough schedule. We had a Dallas to Utah trip before that. It's like you played Memphis, not the Memphis Grizzlies. You played the Memphis Hustle and fucking lost, Doc. The Memphis Hustle, the G League team. They didn't have any of their NBA players playing. Oh, it was the end of the trip. Oh, our legs were a bit tired. Oh, we'd had a bunch of minutes. Everybody had an STD. I mean, what? <laughs> basically that's the bingo card. It's amazing how it's never his fucking fires. I didn't I didn't even want to take over this team until after the All-Star break. He literally said that. He's like, I didn't want to do it. I told him. I told him. I told the boss. <laughs> I don't know why you're doing this. It's like, because you told us to fucking fire Adrian Griffin, you and he's like, oh, it wouldn't have been me. <laughs> now they're three and seven under Doc and sucked in, dickhead. I love that JJ brought this up and said the trend is always for making excuses. Taking over a team in the middle of the season is hard. It's always an excuse. It's always throwing a team under the bus. There's never accountability with that guy. Bang. Got him. 
Yes, say goodnight because it's exactly true. If it's fucking not, it's not Doc Rivers' fault. It's Ben Simmons' fault. It's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Ben's going to be our point guard from here on out. Yeah, Doc always sort of skirts the issue. He'll go into bat for some of his dudes, not for the rest of them. Leave some out to dry. He'll throw. He'll fucking go get. He'll go drive the bus, park it, and go. All right, who wants to back it over this bloke? And everyone's like, oh, you don't you shouldn't do that, Doc. And he goes, check this out. And just fucking rolls right back over them. Never anybody else's fault. And the best part is, as I said earlier, right? Kissed on the dick by the media. He's got his son out there defending him. Austin Rivers looking like fucking Andrew Tate in a wig out there just going, hey, I don't need to, I don't need to like defend my dad. He's a grown man. It's like, yes. And he also has a very high profile. So shut the fuck up, Austin Rivers, who never achieved shit without his dad doing it for him. Uh, he's like, oh, yeah, JJ, you owe your entire career to my dad. It's like, fuck off, idiot. JJ's like, yeah, fuck off, idiot. Even Spencer Hawes came in over the top and went, yeah, fuck off, idiot. So it was pretty good. Anyway, the best interaction that came out of that, though, was JJ Redick versus Pat Bev. Pat Bev, absolute, just as I've said time and time again, if you could just have a junkyard dog that got turned into a person, it's Pat Bev, right? It's like, I don't know what I'm angry about, but I'm always angry. It's like, all right, buddy, just fucking settle down a bit. He's like, I will never settle down. Come on. We have got a bloke like that at work. I miss Alex. Anyway, uh, what else we got? So Snake Rivers gets called out by JJ and Pat Bev goes back at him because Pat Bev loves Doc. He literally just got traded back to one of Doc's teams and uh, – it's just been this sort of weird back and forth about, mans. he saved your career. Like, he made your career. He made all this money. Like, what are you talking about? It's like, uh, Pat Bev, at what point do you think the Doc's been a really good coach? And this is what it comes down for me. Like, the accountability is like, oh, you know, geez. The Doc's are really, it's just, it's just so good for players. There is the, I don't know, the overhanging vibe of every 3-1 blown lead that he's ever had, which is a lot now. And then you've got the simple idea of like Austin Rivers going, oh, he got fired in the bubble. He he got, he got fired after losing to a team that was favoured over him. It's like, yes, because he didn't do his job well enough to beat those other teams. <laughs> what are we doing here? Seriously, Austin going, nah, it's never my dad's fault. It's like now you're jumping the non-accountability on your dad and Pat Bev's like, yeah, he fucking saved your career. And JJ's like, no, nah, he didn't, dickhead. Breaks it all down. Explains how he, at least per minute, was much better in other places, had nothing to do with Doc, and actually had other uh, contracts, right, that he could have uh, gone with. So it was one of the sort of weirdest, dumbest, funnest interactions we'll see on this uh, whole NBA vibe this season. I think you then had JJ Reddick go in on Stephen A. Smith. And it's like, is is this just JJ Reddick going, right, NBA All-Star happens. I've got three days to light as many fucking fires as I can. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> Off he went. Absolute pyro gear. So uh, before we do that, though, yeah, Pat, my guy, I had a four-year offer with player option for the same money to be a starter for a different team. Fuck out of here. Saved my career. Pat Bev was like, yeah, he should have been six man on that Clippers team. Should have started Jamal Crawford. That just shows you how much Pat Bev knows. If you had started Jamal Crawford, do you know how much more torched you would have been on defense? A lot. Because Jamal Crawford was even shitter than JJ fucking Reddick. Him with these little alligator arms. Jamal Crawford length, 
But the first time he plays defense, well, the next time that he plays defense, probably against some kid in the Seattle Pro-Am, it'll be the first. Anyway, um, so you then have the Stephen A, JJ Reddick thing, and JJ just goes off today. It's like, Stephen A, we're, oh, it's not the player's job to, you know, educate people on how basketball works. It's like, well, if Stephen A's job is to educate people on how basketball works, then we're all fucked. But JJ goes, I can do a video on my podcast where I break down the last nine games the Pelicans have used Zion as a primary ball handler and what type of actions they run out of it, blah, blah, blah. 54,000 views on YouTube. But I call out a coach yesterday. Ah, that gets tens of millions of engagement. That's the ecosystem we live in. So do fans actually want to be educated or not? No, they want to be entertained, motherfucker. Shut up. JJ, shush. Pat Bev, fucking shush. Stephen A. It was funny. <laughs> he was like, Stephen A also had a really good one this week about how, uh, yeah, teams that haven't been good in 30 years, like the Knicks, back when he had an afro and his uh, hairline was two feet forward from where it is now. It's pretty good. But anyway, Austin Rivers, what a fucking lunatic. What a dipshit. Uh, JJ. Interesting time to go off, but you did take all the oxygen. I'll pay that. And uh, Doc, what a fucking lunatic. Right, last little bit of news. Dallas, Jalen Brunson in the uh, – this is also a big all-star break moment, right, where it's like, i got a couple of days off. I can go on your podcast. It's like, all right, cool. Jalen Brunson goes on with uh, all the smoke, Matt Barnes, Steven Jackson, uh, and talks about how the Mavs – basically twice rebuffed him with the uh, four-year $55 million extension before he started filling in for Luca that year and turned into a bit of a superstar and then priced his way out of it. But that $55 million four-year deal was rejected twice by Dallas and then he kind of got ghosted um, when it hit free agency and you're like, oh, well, the Mavs really screwed the pooch on that one. It's like, yeah, we all knew that. Like, But it's nice to hear that that's exactly what happened. Right. I think that's all the news. Right, because it's just else. The rest of the news is essentially JJ Reddick said this, <laughs> Pat Bev said this back, and we're kind of just like whatever. Uh, you've got Kyle Lowry basically being introed in Philly. That's kind of fun. There was the weird report though that came out about Julius Randall, Julius, and about how uh, he hasn't ruled out surgery. It's like oh, I'm never going to say never. If it needs surgery, it needs surgery. It's like I don't want that if I'm a Knicks fan. You kind of need Julius Randle out there and actually healthy. So, right. Anyway, without further ado then, shall we do a bit of a uh, quick break? And then we'll do the Prowl rankings. That'll be fun. 30 to 1 right after this. This is Nick Kay, and you'll listen to NBA Australia. Just my best mate, Nick Kay. I don't know if you've caught up with uh, Nick of late, living his best life. They took the squid out on the boat, hanging out in paradise. Him and the missus and a couple of mates. Love to see that. I should get him on the show again. I think now that the uh, Japanese league might be wrapping up. Anyway, let's do these power rankings, 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 rankings. Who is playing better right now is essentially where we've gone with this, right? It's a combination of the power rankings. Who would beat who? The best teams right now. 30 to 1. Let's do it. Number 30. They're the worst. That's how this works. Portland. God, they're bad. Jeez, Jim, are they even worse than like Detroit and Washington? It's a hard question, but yes. 
Uh, they just got absolutely shit-bumped. They got straight killed by the Wolves. Back-to-back games, lost to the Pelicans in an absolute gouger-eyes-out game just before that. Uh, but they also lost to the Pistons before that game. That's how bad they're playing right now. It's weird because they've still got like a shit ton of talent. They've got the Great Barrier Reef, Duop Reef. They've got Aussie Matty T, Matisse Tybal. They've got most of their sort of like dudes in and around that team. They just sort of can't get all of them playing at once. You know, Malcolm Brogdon's sort of been in and out. Scoot Henderson's been in and out. Anthony Penny Simons. Jim- Jeremy Grant has got to be the happiest dude in the NBA right now. Absolutely zero fucking scrutiny. Getting paid a shit ton of money. Doesn't have to win. Just gets to put up fucking... He's getting paid just to work out at this point and play like a fun game. He has got the best job in the world. No one cares what Jeremy Grant does or does not do. It's incredible. Zero pressure. Amazing. 29, the Detroit basketball pistons. That's right. They showed some signs of life for a little bit there. And then they really just, look, three and seven, their last 10. That's great for a team that's won eight games all season. (laughs) But still, it's like they've now traded Bojan. This is like a team that you're like, oh, yeah. I'm not going to watch another one of their games this season. Whereas Portland, there's at least a couple of interesting aspects about them. But they're playing worse than the Detroit Pistons. Like Detroit got fucking smashed the other day, but had a couple of little moments there. So I'm going to put them just above Portland. And then above, look, the Pistons without Bojan, without Burks, it's just the Jaden Ivey, Kay Cunningham, Jalen Duren show, right? And that's fine by me. Get Orsar Thompson out there as well. But at 29, we'll go to Troy. 8 and 36, it's fucking brutal. Next up, Washington. This is like the bottom of the bottom, bottom tier. These three are the absolute worst three teams in the NBA. I haven't said San Antonio yet because they're kind of there. They're a little bit more interesting, right? But Washington, 9 and 45, they've lost eight on the trot. Eight games they've lost in a row with actual proper NBA players like Danny Avdija. No, I'm joking. Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole stinking it up. Like, just absolute. Uh, so I cleaned out a wasp trap yesterday. And it also attracts a lot of flies and kills all the flies. You know, it's what it all does. It is one of just the most gag-inducing smells when you empty that fucking wasp trap. That's what the Washington Wizards are. They're the Washington wasps. Not bad. Uh, they stink. A lot. 27, Brooklyn. They just fired their coach and they're shit. It is such a punish to watch Brooklyn. And I will admit, having been a season ticket for six, a season ticket holder for six years, I still watch a lot of Brooklyn. Keep vague paying, paying attention going on. You know, Mikael Bridges, Cam Thomas, Ben Simmons. Away we go. It is a fucking punish to watch any of their games. So they're 27. 26, Houston. Oh, but geez, Jim, weren't they good to the start of the season? That was a long time ago. <laughs> it really was. Remember, they were, they were really good at home. Now they're 19-9. They're still one of the four worst teams on the road in the NBA, though. Absolutely brutal gear. They're 5-21 and 21 on the road. 5-21. and 21. Yeesh. That is absolutely horrible. Like, Portland and San Antonio are better than that on the road. It is, like, Houston, no Fred Van Vliet for a big chunk. Jalen Green has taken no step up under Ime Udoka. Dylan Brooks is still fucking Dylan Brooks and is just a lunatic. Shangoon's been awesome, but his effectiveness has waned as the season's progressed, as everyone's gone, wait, we should probably try to stop Joker from Wish 
and away they go. But it's the overall vibe of Houston that just weirds me out. They were playing hard. Now they're not. They don't play Jock Landau because fuck them. And here we are, 26. 25 San Antonio because they got Wemby. That's literally it. They would be in the bottom three tier, but for the fact they've got a seven-foot-20 French alien floating around doing weird shit looking like Michael Jordan from Space Jam. Did you see that photo? It's literally real-life Space Jam. Motherfucker's extending his arm out like he's dunking over the Monstars. It's nuts. 24! Toronto, they're shit. Oh. But Scotty Barnes averaging seven assists a game since Siakam was traded. Um, they at least have like these nights where they look competitive, but they are still 19 and 36. Whew. That is stanky. Uh, above Toronto, the Memphis Hustle. They're not even the Grizzlies. They're the G League team. Seriously, G.G. Jackson, Vince Williams, they're in 23 because they've won two games on the trot and beat the Milwaukee. It's not Algonquin for the good land any, any longer. Bucks in that last game before the All-Star break. So they're to 23. They play so fucking hard all the time, the Grizzlies. That is a team that like the city of Memphis could be proud of, unlike basically every other team below them. Charlotte at 22. Uh, Geez, Jim, they're only 13 and 41. That's much worse than Toronto. Yeah, but they've actually won a couple of games of late. And Brandon Spindles Miller looks awesome. They've also they've gone unbeaten in the Trey Man era. 3-0. I love it. Trey Man and Brandon Miller. Let's go. They're probably going to drop all the way back down to about 27 the last time we do these ones. But anyway, Utah at 21. They've looked really wobbly. They've lost four on the trot. They can't close teams out. They're also kind of like, well, they've pulled the pin seemingly on the season, right? They trade Kelly Olenek. They've somehow kept Jordan Jeremy Clarkson. No one knows why. They've got Lowry. That's fine. Uh, but they're hitting a point where it's like, oh, God, we're just going to play Keontae George's shit ton. Guys, it's going to get a bit wobbly here and there. He's pretty fun. He's pretty good. Look at him go. But defensively, we're going to be all over the shop. So Utah, this is almost by design that they're, they're going to be in the twenty. 20- one spot because it is pretty, pretty brutal. 20. Your one, two, three, five, sixes. That's right. The Philadelphia 76ers losing that game to Miami just before All-Star was the biggest kick in the dick you could ever imagine if you're a Sixers fan. Jeez, Jim, having them below the other teams is a bit tough, bro. It's like, nah. Have you watched Philly without Joel Embiid? With, even without Tobias Harris. Hey, boss. Uh, and Tyrese Max, like Tyrese, Tobias Harris, like this is the Tobias Harris time, right? Getting paid $35 million, your superstar goes out. It's all right, all right, boys, I got this. He goes, oh, no, oh, my ankle's sore. I'm not going to play because then everyone will realize that I'm not doing fucking anything ever. At least Tyrese, Ma- Tyrese Max is going, fuck it, I'll score 50. Tobias Harris is like, ah, I'm going to take a sickie. <laughs> RDO, motherfucker, ADO. Do I get a flexi day? And it's like... Tobias, no. This is the NBA. You don't get a fucking flexi day. He's like, nah, I reckon I've got two of them banked up from last financial year. Anyway, Chicago at 19, they have been playing a very fun brand of basketball, which is something I would not say about Chicago usually, but it's all because of Kobe. Kobe White, I love him. You know that. Uh, They're 26 and 29 though. That's the thing. They're five and five in their last 10. So they play these games. They play games pretty tough. But they're very inconsistent. Kobe is very cool. They'll still lose games, but they'll sort of at least, they're showing signs of at least a bit of pride. So that's why I've got them above Philly because that 
the ass has completely fall, fallen out of that Philly team. 18, Atlanta. They've been pretty good of late too. Like randomly, they had these sort of moments where they've gone, well, we've got Trey back. Does this mean we're good? And everyone's like, oh, shit, maybe. And then, I don't know, they beat the Rockets, they beat the Sixers, and then they lost to the fucking Hornets before the break because they rested everybody. Um, and they lost an awesome, crazy chaos game to the uh, Chicago Bulls. But I think I've got Atlanta above the Bulls because Trey will come back from all-star break where he's like shredded, kicked some ass, took, take, took some names. And I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta, now that the trade deadline's passed, DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, they're all together, they're hanging out. I think they might go on a hint of a run. Just keep that in mind. So that's why I've got them ahead of Chicago because I think Atlanta can make a little bit more noise than the Bulls can. Uh, above that, this is just the Eastern Conference shit teams tier apparently because 17 is Orlando. They're not shit. Don't get me wrong. They're in the eight seed at the moment. They're 30 and 25. I fucking love the Orlando Magic. But there's still just something missing a little bit and it's the sort of same thing where you look at this team and go, eh, trade deadline went past. <sighs> Feels like you've got a lot of dudes that None of them are a real proper point guard. Just saying, boys. Just saying. So I feel like Orlando missed a trick at least a little bit to maybe pull off a DeJounte Murray trade or something like that. Maybe even Spencer Dinwiddie for Orlando. Like, how do you not get in the Spencer Dinwiddie sweepstakes? The worst sweepstakes ever. Uh, but he was right there. I feel like that's a missed trick. So I'm a little bit wonkier on Orlando. But their defense been fantastic at times this year. Paolo could take another step in the second, well, in the last third of this season. Should be pretty fun. Sacramento. I've got them. Oh, no. 16 and Indy. Ooh, who do I? I had these ones basically neck and neck. Indiana Pacers, Sacramento Kings. They've basically got the same record. Kings are 31 and 23. Uh, 31 and 23. Pacers are 31 and 25. We'll put Indy at 16. There we go. They come off an all-star break where they host. Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner, Benny Matherin, absolutely shred all-star break. Benny Matherin wins MVP, the Rising Stars. Tyrese Halliburton makes it through to that bullshit, dumb fucking tie break in the three-point comp. But they also won the Skills Challenge, a.k.a. the red-headed stepchild of all-star. Either way, they won all that. Can they take that into the last third of the season? No. But will they try? Probably. There just does feel like a hint of a lack of talent overall on that indie team that sort of does worry you, but Halliburton getting healthier means that they should be a dangerous, dangerous floater. And because Philly are above them only by like, what, two games in the standings because it's three losses difference or whatever, Indy could easily make that up and land in that five spot. So keep an eye on Indy over the last third, especially as long as Halliburton stays healthy. They just lack that one extra dude. And now that they've traded Buddy Heald, they've got Siakam, they've got Halliburton, I'm like, ooh, can Matherin be that dude? That's all I want to see. So let's see. 15, Sacramento. That's right. We've got the Suvlaki King. Oh, yeah, I have the combination meat. Thanks, Nomadis. Bit of extra tomato. Yeah, garlic sauce. Yeah, chili. Yeah, thanks, mate. Darren Fox, the Suvlaki King, this Kings team, they're exactly where they were last year. That worries me. And they've gone 5-5 five and five over the last 10. This is another team where you're like, it's good that they didn't make a trade because the Sacramento Kings of old would have panicked shit down their leg. Go, we need to make a trade off. Fuck. And then just completely screwed the pooch. But this is also a time and a team that they're like, well, we've got Kevin Huerta. It's like, oh, I feel like they should have made a bit of a trade there. They did meet the Nuggets in that awesome game just before the All-Star break. So they can stay 15. But 
They had a loss to the Suns before that, a loss to the Thunder. They've beaten the Nuggets twice in the last four games, which is why they're at 15. But they had that loss to the Pistons, which was just inexcusable. They lost to the Cavs. When they go on the road, it feels like they lose complete and utter fucking focus out of nowhere. But they're still a really tough team. They're a fun team. I do love them, but they're going to stay 15 because they are the sort of one team in the West, especially in that sort of top six, seven, eight in the West. They're currently eight at 31 and 23 that you feel like every other team could beat. So tough on if you're the Kings. Number 14, the Knickerbockers of New York City. It would have had them a lot higher. And geez, Jim, didn't you just pick them to win the East the other day in that video that you did? Yes. Uh, but that's because I assume that they'll be fucking healthy by the end of the season. And then the report drops today about Julius Randle going, yeah, man, my shoulder's still a bit fucking sore. I might get surgery, you know? Like, I mean, if someone says I should get surgery, I'll just get surgery because I'm still getting paid. Like, it's fine. It's like, good on you, Julius. Um, four straight L's after a dominant January. OG Ananobi goes to get his fucking elbow surgery out of nowhere. Jalen Brunson's like, yeah, I wish I was playing in Dallas, but, you know, I love New York. Everyone's injured. And the Knicks are still 14 because they're tough as fuck. They got Bojan. They got Burks. They significantly upgraded the trade deadline. Come back in two weeks for the Knicks. We might be talking about a completely different sort of team. I love that. 13 Miami. If you know what to make of this Miami team, congrats. They did get Dellon Wright, who was bought out. Just another sort of moment of Miami Heat going, ha-ha. But Dellon Wright, fuck. The next time he does something significant, that'll be the first time. 13-25. Six and four in their last 10. They've at least got Terry Rose. The good news for them is that it was a sprained MCL for his knee. Nothing worse. They just look so fucking wobbly. They pulled that one out of their ass against the Sixers. They're just a tough team to beat. They're going to stay 13. I can't have them higher. The Lakers. The Lakers are good. They actually pulled off. They're a nine seed at the moment. 30 and 26, the Los Angeles Lakers of Los Angeles, California. They've won three on the trot. They've won seven in the last 10. LeBron can't trade anybody because the trade the deadline's passed now. This is his team. He has to fucking stick with it. They're playing pretty well. They're looking good. They're not playing quite as well as number 11, Golden State. That's right. Eight and two of their last 10. Since Draymond came back, they've gone from 25th in defensive rating to third. They've gone from 12th in offensive rating to sixth. They've gone from, what's that, net rating 17th to third as well. That's crazy. Just in that period. So the Warriors... Make a lot more sense when Draymond's not choking out giant European guys and like losing his mind, going, I'll fucking kill you, man. And like losing it at every fucking chance he gets. If they can stay the course, they've got Johnny Cumbucket, Kaminga, losing his mind, playing awesome. If he, Wiggins, Draymond can sort of just keep their heads screwed on straight, they're still dangerous. They're 11th, though, because they're currently 10th in the West at 27 and 26. But. They have won a few games, so that's good. Number 10, Milwaukee. It's not our Gonkin for the good land at the moment. They're 3-7 and seven under Doc. 35-21 and 21 overall, third in the East. Jeez, Jim, you got them at 10. That's pretty rough. No. I watched that Memphis game. That was fucking horrible. Jeez, Jim, did you bet on it as well? Yes. That's why I'm, like, doubly disappointed. It's like, you cost me money as well, you motherfucker. Anyway, the Bucks, they stink at the moment, but as soon as they sort of roll in Pat Bev, uh, they go, Danilo Gallinari. Basically, is what, a backup big, essentially, at this point, but a shooting big, which is good. But they'll go as far as Giannis and Dame go. They're going to be at least a little bit thumbs up about how Dame went over All-Star. Looked really good. Obviously, won three-point comp, won MVP in the game. It's like, 
where the fuck was this all season, Dame? And he's like, well, I'm playing in Milwaukee. Anyway, the Bucks still really dangerous. It would be a surprise if you saw – well, would it be? Actually, would it be? The Bucks is so weird and they've been so weird over the last few years that they could rip through the last third of this season and, like, win the title and you wouldn't be that surprised. So just, you know, Doc and the defense, who knows? He has got that defense playing way, way better, but can Damon Giannis put it together? That's the question. Number nine, the Denver Nuggets. What? Jeez, Jim, are you off your rocker, son? No. 36 and 19, they've lost three on the trot. They're only a nine because they're basically, this is the most obvious fucking autopilot team we've got. They don't give a fuck. They're 21 and five at home. As long as they sort of stay in the top four, I think they're pretty happy. What wouldn't surprise me is though, because that's a dogfight at the top of the West, they're ninth at the moment. I think they use this all-star break as a little bit of a, all right, let's fucking chill. Mike Malone gets on the, Michael, uh, <laughs> gets on their ass as soon as they get back and is like, right, I don't want to play on the road fucking anywhere, especially against the Wolves. So let's at least try to make up a couple of these games. They're three games back of the Wolves at the top of the West. I think they'll be okay with the last third, but I also don't think they're afraid of anybody. So Denver, autopilot at the moment. They're ninth. That'll rise. Eight, New Orleans. They look good. Three straight wins, seven and three in the last ten. Uh, they still very, feel very unpredictable. They lose the vacuum, Dyson Daniels. Not great, obviously. One of the better perimeter defenders in the in the league. But, of course, they've still got Zion. They've got Spindles. They've got CJ. They shouldn't be a good defensive team, but they've got Herb Jones. And he's, like, the only good defender they've actually really sort of got outside of Dyson now. But it feels like they, they're a team that can definitely just keep going on runs and just blowing the doors off teams, which is what they've done at times this year. But then they'll lose one out of fucking nowhere. You're like, what the shit was that? God damn it, pals. But at the moment, they're playing well. So that's why they're eight. Number seven, Dallas. They've won six on the trot. Doesn't feel like it because, god damn, that Dallas team. AKA Alice, because there's no D in Dallas. Did you like that one, homie? <clears throat> there's no D. Defense. So it's Alice. I like that. Uh, they <laughs> rip off those six straight. They should have won all those games, right? A six is team without Embiid. Beat the Nets because they're a shit show. Beat the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. That was a good game. They beat the... Th- Fucking doors off the thunder, which was just out of nowhere. They beat the Wizards. They beat the Spurs. It's six straight, but you can only beat who's in front of you. As long as Kyrie – look, making the Grant Williams trade was smart. Daniel Gafford's there now. You've got PJ Hamilton, Washington. Let's go. I've got them seven. That's way higher than I would have thought. Six, Phoenix. 11-4 and four in their last 15, 33-22 and 22 overall, fifth in the West. But uh, at least this is probably going to – Phoenix is sixth – purely because of how they had been playing. They lose Beal to a potential hammy, which is not great. They could be a dropper. Uh, but Booker Booker and KD should be enough to keep you sort of in and amongst it, but they could be a dropper here. Okay, see, 10 and 5 in their last 15, 7.2 point differential, 37 and 17, in second in the West. I love them. The mop top mum of the week, Bix kid, Josh Giddy. Not doing a giant amount because this is the rise of J-Dub. Jalen Williams, absolutely crushing it. Absolutely crushing it. Next to a perennial now MVP candidate in SGA. He's been fucking phenomenal. He's my pick for MVP. He and Luca at this point. Joker is probably still the favorite, but still. Uh, OKC crushing it there in five. Number four, Cleveland. Cleveland, 13-2 and two in their last 15 games. I'm no math magician. That's pretty good. They're 18-3 and three in the calendar year of 2024. 
That's fucking awesome. And they didn't have Darius Rucker, Judy Garland, and Evan Mobley for a bunch of that. So they are awesome. They rule. Love Cleveland. They're at four. Number three, the Clippers, 17-5 and five since January 1. Two games back of the Wolves at the top of the West. It's all clicking. Harden just makes Kawhi's life so much fucking easier. Kawhi's like, this is great. I don't have to do everything. Harden's like, can I please do everything? Uh, but they look awesome and dangerous. And they're the one team, though, like, they still don't worry me when they play Denver. Everybody else, I think they could kick the fuck out of, apart from when they lost to uh, the next team. Minnesota! Did you like that one? Minnesota? It's Minnesota, obviously. Ant-Man pissed it in during All-Star. I didn't like that. I like my superstars to take shit like that seriously and go, I'm going to fucking tear on his throat out like a Michael Jordan. And you're like, I'll pay that. Instead, Ant-Man's shooting fucking left-handed like a dickhead and Carl Anthony Towns puts up 50 in the All-Star game. But again, as Carl Anthony Towns tends to do, they lost. So the thing is, they've only got 10 away games left versus 17 home games. That's massive because they're very, very good at home. <laughs> so Minnesota currently are 19-5 and five at home. They're 20-11 and 11 away. So they've got a seven-game difference between home and away games. So they could easily end up as your one seed. And then finally, number one. The team kicking the fuck out of everybody else is Boston. God damn it. 43 and 12, 26 and 3 at home. Not quite undefeated, but still. They've won six on the trot. They're the clear favorite. Uh, they've got a really, really dangerous, dangerous lineup, of course. As long as the extreme Zinger Mill is supercharged Zinger Burger, uh, they'll be flying. But number one, Boston. Number two, Minnesota. Number three, the LA Clippers. Number four, Cleveland. Five, OKC. Six, Phoenix. Seven, Dallas. New Orleans. Denver. Milwaukee, round out the top 10. Then you got Golden State, the Lakers, amazingly, because they're in the uh, 9 and 10 spots in the West. We've got them 11 and 12. Miami, the Knicks, Sacramento at 15, 16, Indy, Orlando, Atlanta, Chicago, Philly at 20. Brutal. Utah, Charlotte, Memphis, Toronto, and the Spurs. Then Houston, Brooklyn, Washington, Detroit, and Portland. Those are all the teams right now that actually matter, and that's them. Power ranked. All right, we'll do some quick yeah nahs right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. All right, let's do some yeah nahs, some listening yeah nahs, and then we'll do some previews, and that'll be it for today. Uh, these are brought to you by the NBA Australia shop. Get your merch, get your merch. NBAAustralia.com slash shop, get a hoodie, get a T-shirt. I'm wearing one right now. You can see it. This is a bit of an old one, but it's all right. Uh, they are still very, very comfortable. It's ridiculous. Either way, get a stubby holder. Get a coffee mug. There's only a couple of those left, so you better get on it. NBAstraight.com slash shop or just click through on the socials and away we go. Right, let's do some yeah nahs. Bit of all-star gear in here. Danny Crawford, Danny Sue. Okay, Jimmy, we need more investment in the all-star weekend from my eyes. A, to play, an all-star must front $250,000 to play. Winner take the pot. Oh, I love it. I love messing with the money. Let's go. These dudes have heaps of dollars and to earn a little bit more is nothing. But if they're taking it off their peers, 
then it would make it really interesting. Think white men can't jump. Yeah, nah. Yes. I fucking love the idea. I love what I would like to see though is take this one step further, homie. $250,000 to get into the All-Star game, right? So you got 12 dudes. We're going to have, uh, again, no math magician, but you're going over 25 million between the wall. Not only do you have that, you put it on the side of the court and you can see the cash. And then we've got a hype man up there, just like fucking Kevin Hart or somebody go, what are you doing, LeBron? What are you doing? That was bullshit. What a horrible shot. Like that sort of stuff, just hyping it up. I fucking love it. And then you'd have someone like Raymond. I'm going to go to my gun. I'm going to go to my car, get my other gun, and then shoot everybody. It's like, that's fucking great. But still, I love the idea of taking the money off the other guys. That's fucking great one, Dan. B, first to 100, 12-minute quarters, stops the free, easy shots and defense. Must be a must. Anything over 120 points is reg in regular time is not basketball. First to 100 with 12-minute quarters is actually... It's an interesting, like, different approach to the target score. Like, if you're actually limiting the target score, it's like, well, fuck, we actually... Yeah, we actually need to stop those guys from shooting that three. Oh, fuck, defense! That's not a bad idea. Yeah, nah, yeah, I like that. Actually, a very good one. Uh, we need either two, one or two big charities or players nominate their own charities to bring awareness, and that charity has sponsorship over that player's individual jersey with NBA guaranteeing some kind of donation for the charity. Do it for the kids! Yeah, nah, yeah, I mean... They sort of do have the charities involved, and they especially did it when they did the target score. Elam should be the Kobe ending. I'll keep saying it until I fucking blew in the face. Uh, but when they did the quarter by quarter, whoever wins that quarter, like the charity got 250 grand, they did try at least a little bit harder than we saw in this one, so I'll stick with that one. And he also adds, I love the NBA jam theory of yours. Thank you. It's still one of my better ideas. I don't know how. We've got an LED court. Play on it. Hot spot over there. Oh, shit, that's worth five shots. Buy five points. Bang, off we go. Turn this motherfucker into NBA Jam. I think he is actually, yeah, LED courts with hotspots. I'm not sure who has the rights, but I'd love to hear. He's hitting up. He's on fire. Wouldn't mind some pyrotechnics, and if someone could do a quadruple somersault slam, that would be just awesome. Here's the clincher here, homie. I love this. Not only do we do have an LED court where you've got hotspots popping up every, every, everywhere, but three times a quarter... We've got a spot that rises out underneath into the court and it's actually a little fucking trampoline. So it can be like an NBA jam dunk. Let's fucking go. Yes, mate. And then you got the light up pyrotechnics around it. Fucking someone loses an eye. That'd be great. <laughs> ah, shit. Anyway, that's some good stuff. Um, do I have a couple of other good ones? Lee Chun, LT, good on him. Hey, way to fix All-Star game. Top four or five players from the stats leaders go into two teams. Points, assists, rebounds, blocks, steals. Then we get some defensive-minded guys in there and reward the category leaders. Great job on the pods too. Listen to all. Oh, thanks, Lee. Yeah, nah, yes. I actually love the idea of re uh, like rewarding category leaders because at the end of the season, it's like, all right, you led the league in blocks. It's like, okay cool. <laughs> like, there's no extra rewards there, right? So maybe having that folded into All-Star game, you'd actually have Rudy Gobert out there trying to swap the fuck out of everything. Wemby gets to play as well, that sort of gear. I actually don't mind that because I think we've also had one where it's uh, the simple idea of uh, yeah, the 
all defense team and an all offense team essentially. So you got the 11 best defenders from the all defensive team from last year or who's leading this year play the leading scorers. Something like that would be kind of fun too. But I like that one. We've got another really good one too, which I'm going to use for our Outback Takeouts just because I fucking love it. Uh, but Dan D, just sending one about Jacques Vaughn. Yeah, nah, the Nets firing Jacques Vaughn, Vaughn is 12 months old and justice for every uh, – two, 12 months too late and justice for every Aussie. Yeah, nah, yeah. Paddy Mills died for our sins here. It's like Jacques Vaughn wouldn't play Paddy Mills. Guess what, Jacques Vaughn? Fired. Boom. Um, he also goes on to say, I couldn't imagine what it must be like to be a Nets fan if they actually exist. To endure the Darren Williams years followed by the PSKG debacle of which I was there – the entire time, which left a void. Again, I was there for that void, only to crawl out of it into the Kyrie, Durant, Harden experience into what is now the weirdest roster in the league. That list includes Toronto's aimless roster, Detroit's 50 centers and point guards. I love that. And he did ask. He's like, ah, I think during the All-Star break, we should get an entire pod dedicated to the Nets. An hour of Jimmy Boy ranting is what the people need. I actually thought about this. I'm like, do I need to do an emergency podcast because Jacques Vaughn got fired and I can just sound off on the Nets? No, I just can't be fucked. <laughs> because, like, that's how uninteresting the Nets are. They've done some of the most interesting shit over the last decade and no one fucking cares. It's really weird. If they had a bigger fan base, if they'd managed to, like, draft somebody who stuck around, like trading Jared Allen for fuck all, basically, was one of their biggest mistakes. It was like, oh, but we need to keep DeAndre Jordan happy. DeAndre Jordan is more cooked than one of my old man's steaks. Like, what are we doing? He's fucked. It's like, oh, he's not bad in like, fucking Denver right now, Jim. It's like, no, it's JaVale McGee. DeAndre Jordan, what are we doing? Anyway, uh, the Nets are cooked. They've completely fucked it. But, yeah, they should have fired him 12 months ago. I'm always wary of the interim head coach who outdoes expectation. But it's sort of just basically because he's not the other guy. You know? It's like we've latched onto this guy as a team because he's not that guy. We all fucking hated that guy. It's like, but what are the schemes? What are the actual sort of approaches you're taking game in, game out? And then last one, Jason Tatum. He was asked about being the face of the NBA. Jim, can he be the face of the NBA? Yeah, nah. Nah. There is nothing inspiring about Jason Tatum. Oh, he loves his kids. We all fucking love our kids. Some more than others. Um, but he's like, I feel like it's mine to take. I do feel like if we win a championship, it would it would be more distinguished and clear. But I understand that I'm I understand that I'm in that shortlist for sure. Fucking sure, mate. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm definitely I could be the face of the league. He's like, oh, I don't know. Not many people care about you, Jason Tatum, outside of Boston. I'm just saying. Like, it's weird. Very weird. Unpopular opinion of the day. Uh the entire All-Star break gave us the J.J. Redick dunking on everybody, uh, Austin Rivers having a bitch and moan session about people dunking on his dad. Uh, Don't be mean to my dad, says son on TV. <laughs> this is a case to just get rid of the entire All-Star game and the entire All-Star break. Like It has been that bad the last three days. And I'm now, though, just like hitting a point where I'm like, fuck it, how weird could we get? If we made the all-star break a little bit longer, like would JJ Reddick just be like, you know what? I think Pikachu's a bitch. And I just like started like ragging on random stuff. Like he's my least favorite Pokemon. Charizard did fucking torch that little mouse's fucking head off. It's like, 
Why is JJ Reddick sounding off on Pokemon? Like Shannon Sharp just started like, every NBA player who wants to be good should be married. And it's like, all right. What about this player if he's gay? So, well, yeah. Like get real deep into like some really cool fucking political like arguments. I love that. How weird could we get if we had two weeks of an all-star break? Let's make it longer. All right. And finally, I think we've got a think we're gonna drop for this one, Hobie. I think it's there somewhere. Yes, it is. Let's do it. It's Thursday at Outback, you know what that means? Oh yeah, two for one, blooming onions. No prick in Australia knows what the fuck this is. Because in Australia, all you use an onion for is basically to chuck it on a barbie, cook it until it's as black as a dead dog's guts, and then chuck it on a saucy, and away you go. But apparently this is some sort of flour? I don't know what the fuck you're all on about, but either way, two for one, blooming onions. Only at Outback. And today's Flame Grill Take was sent in by our listener, Cam. Cam F. Cam French. He's done a great job. Dear Jim, aka VP of Common Sense. Long-time listener, one-time merch buyer. <laughs> Brutal. I'm a bucks up. Oh, it's pretty basic. How to fix the all-star game. Just change the basic scoring to fantasy points. That's right, the basic fantasy point system. So essentially blocks, assists, steals, etc. Also add to scoring and hopefully, therefore, more defense. I'm a Bucks fan and I know at least Giannis would go for blocks if this were brought into place. Imagine a giant swat from Giannis or LeBron to close out the game to give him an extra two points. And the MVP could be the player with the highest cumulative score over all the stats. It could also engage the audience more by way of tracking players' individual stats to track who's going to get the MVP and other honors potentially like all-star defensive player of the game. Come on, Mr. Vice President of Common Sense. Let's get this idea into Commissioner ASAP. And if this is already a thing, well, it's awkward. Just forget I said anything. But either way, point system idea. You get points for buckets. They are what they are. One, two, three. Score your points. They're points. Steals, one point. Blocks, two points. Assist a point, rebounds a point, turnovers minus one. Only at Outback. I will tell you, I fucking love this. We need a base point, though, for what a team needs to get to in terms of overall points because, obviously, we saw in this All-Star game, they took so many three-point shots. It meant there was a fuck ton of rebounds because, what, the West... I think it was the no the East took half their shots from three overall. There wasn't too many assists either, so I think we need like a base level of like what would be the points, or do we just play out the twelve minutes and just sort of see where we get to? Like, pretty interesting. But either way, I think this is fucking fantastic because it rewards you trying to get a steal, but it should reward you for like steals and blocks, two points. Maybe you get a minus one for a missed shot as well. So you're not jacking up a three from fucking half court like an idiot. Like that sort of vibe would be fun as hell. Now, you know how I hate maths because stats are for nerds, but this is great. I fucking love this idea. Fantasy points, all-star game. I'd want to see it like tested out, but I reckon I've, like maybe we should test this out in the rookie game next year and then with an eye to keep it for the all-star. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Do some game previews for tomorrow. Game previews, game previews, game previews, game previews, game previews. 
Game previews. Thanks, inadvertent Bane. Not a problem, Jim. How's it all going? Yeah, not bad. The um, the mouth, as you can tell, I'm talking a lot easier, and I can elucidate a little bit better. Still got a little bit of a lisp because I still got a big fucking thing on the roof of my mouth, but it's not as big as it had been. Right, we are back on deck tomorrow with a huge array of games. We've got Brooklyn at Toronto. The Raptors are two and a half point favorites against the Nets team that just fired its coach. I'm going Brooklyn here. Plus two and a half. The Raptors aren't much chop. The Nets, dead coach bounce. Kevin Ollie, he's had a couple of days to prepare for this. You know he's going to come out all guns blazing. The rest of the team, this is a fascinating setup. I love it when a coach gets fired around the All-Star break because it means that the rest of that team is playing for its job. The coach is playing, coaching for his job. He's playing, he's fucking coaching his ass off. He's like, boys, if you want to stick around next year and actually, you know, impress me, impress the next coach, got to play your ass off. So I like Brooklyn plus two and a half there, especially against the Raptors where it's like Scoob, not a giant amount else, not a giant amount else, RJ and co, but with RJ carrying an injury before this, who knows what could happen there. I'm going to go the Nets plus two and a half. Indy hosts the Detroit Basketball Pistons. 11 and a half point favorites. Indy do have these weird games where they sort of shit the bed a little bit and don't cover like a really big point spread against the likes of just before the break. They only beat the Raps by two. Uh, they lost to the fucking Hornets, but then they beat the Knicks by 14 before that in the uh, Reggie Bowl. The Pistons, though, Ivy was sort of injured just before the break. They're also a bit bad. Paces at home. Let's go Paces 11 and a half. They should kick the fuck out of Detroit, shouldn't they? New York versus the Sixers. A bit of the shine's gone off this one because everyone's injured. The Knicks are one and a half point underdogs in Philly. Weird setup, though, because you've got Jalen Brunson at least for the Knicks. You don't have too many other dudes. The Sixers, you've got Maxi. You've got a couple of other guys who are sort of in and out. I don't know if Tobias Harris is back yet, which is a bit of an interesting one. Let's have a look and see if, he's, uh, if we've got any news on Tobias, the never nude. But... The Sixers losing that game before this was really, really... They've lost five straight at home now. And you have these moments where, without Embiid, you've got basketball Paul crushing it. Harris looks like he might be back for it, though. Ooh. No to Batum, no Covington. Harris, day-to-day. Ooh. I might have to go with the tough-playing New York Knickerbockers of New York City, plus one and a half. The Orlando Magic take on the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland. I'm going to go the Cavs, minus seven and a half. The Magic play team's tough, but they really tend to struggle to cover on the road, uh, I think. Actually, they did have a really great covering record. I think a lot of it was to do with them at home, though. So let's just take a quick squeeze, shall we? Uh, Because at least the Magic are really, really fun. And Cleveland's defense, though, over this last fucking stretch, they've won 22 of their last 23 as a favorite. That is fucking good. Uh, the Magic on the road are actually very good at covering the line. 18-11 versus Cleveland, who aren't that great at home. All right, I'm flipping it. Piss that off. We're going Orlando, plus seven and a half. Going off the numbers there, homie. Going off the numbers, just saying. Phoenix at Dallas, great matchup. Kyrie, Luca, Kyrie didn't have to do anything at All-Star, which is fun. Uh, Phoenix, I don't know. You had Booker and KD out there. I'm going to go Mavericks at home, minus two and a half. Just a little bit more firepower. They've got Gafford. They've got PJ Hamilton, Washington. They've got Greeny. I'm going to go the Mavs. 
They could be really set up for an interesting last third of the season too. Boston versus the Bulls in Chicago. Look, I just talked up the Bulls before on the uh, power rankings. They're going to get fucking shit pumped by the Celtics, just saying. Houston, go to the Pelicans. Pelicans are going to kill the Rockets because the Rockets are an absolute goddamn dog's breakfast. Give me the Pelicans minus six and a half. The Rockets just don't have the size to match up with uh, Spindles, Zion. My name is Jonas Valanciunas. Clippers, Thunder. What a game. Clippers, out of the All-Star break. Got Kawhi, Paul George, Harden. Uh, it feels like everybody on this team used to play for the Thunder, including Russell Westbrook, Harden, at one point, remember. And, of course, Paul George. I'm going to go the Clippers in OKC. Plus one and a half. Underdogs, I just think they're going to come out of All-Star Little bit of focus here, and if they can keep eking their way up towards the top one seed, they'll be fucking pretty happy with that. Washington, Denver. Denver are going to kill the Wizards. It's a 15.5-point spread, though, in Denver. All the Wizards were basically just hanging out in Cancun. Their season might be cooked, though. They might come back and go, yeah, we do not fucking care. Let's go Denver, minus 15.5. I don't – well, actually, yeah, I don't like big spreads. Fuck it. We'll go Washington. They might just keep it close. Denver might just sort of like lose focus down the stretch and yeah, end up winning by 14. Charlotte, Utah. Weird game. I'm going to go Charlotte plus nine and a half. I talked them up just before. 3-0 in the Trey Man era. Let's keep it alive, boys. Utah looking a little bit wobbly. Lakers, Warriors. What a game. You got these two teams, nine and 10 in the West. We're going to go the Warriors at home. Minus five and a half over the Lakers. LeBron, probably too full from Taco Tuesday. Watching his son play for USC. I'm going to go the Warriors. Looking good. Draymond, they tried to trade for LeBron. Didn't happen. LeBron then threw everybody on the bus going, fuck, man, I never heard about that. What are you talking about? Because um, <laughs> that's how he talks, homie. He's like, what the fuck, man? Hey, what the fuck are you talking about? Did you fucking look at my missus? You're fucking dead, mate. LeBron. Uh, <laughs> pinpoint fucking. Uh, Warriors minus five and a half. And then finally, the San Antonio Bandera Spurs against the Sacramento Kings. Kings at home, nine and a half point favorites. Oh, fuck, I hate trusting the Kings. Nine and a half is a lot. I might take the Kings minus nine and a half, though. Too much firepower. The Spurs are a bit of a mess. So that is a lot of games. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve games tomorrow. Holy moly, I reckon I'll be doing tomorrow's show from home and watching 12 games at once. Fuck me dead. All right, but that's it. Otherwise, that was good. Fun times. Great memories. Let's do it. There's the outro. Very nice. Tell you what, I missed doing the show. It was a weird couple of days. After Monday's show, then you're sort of like, oh, all right, a couple of days off. What are you doing? It's weird. Uh, either way, back tomorrow, Friday. And in the meantime, make sure you're following NBA Australia on Twitter, Facey, IG, all over the socials. You know that, of course. Check out NFL Australia with myself and Gaz. Uh, you can check out the Super Bowl rap show. We will have an off-season show coming up, though, because we've got the draft, combine, all that fun stuff, free agency. Uh, we, of course, have Cricket Today podcast, the Football Today podcast, where your cricket and soccer needs, and some very fun shit that will be dropping tomorrow. So keep your ears out. You'll hear me spooking it a lot. Uh, but rate and review all of those shows, would you? Look, I ask for so little, so little. Just rate and review the fucking show, though, would you? Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You follow the YouTube. Go fucking now. Subscribe. This one's on video. We'll do way more video as well the rest of the season. So I got homie over there. 
He's like, fuck, I hate gym already. I've sat in for one. I'm over it. <laughs> Either way, it does help out heaps, so get around it. Smash the merch link as well, nbastradio.com slash shop or on the socials. Thank you to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. They rule. Check out their new band. Uh, House hats as well as Joshua De Laurentiis, Fascinated Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa, Sex Jedi, Green, 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 and Dozers. They're all the bands behind all the tunes you hear on this show, so support them on Bandcamp, Facey, Apple Music, Spotify, whatever. NBA Australia supports Australian bands. So should you. All right. No skit to close out today because we've already gone late and homie's already angry at me. So we will catch you tomorrow, dickheads. This is NBA Australia saying look after yourselves, would you? And later, Hosanna!